0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This week's episode of Screen Talk is brought to you by God Knows Where I Am for your end-of-year awards consideration. This is a powerful and critically acclaimed documentary directed by Jed and Todd Whiter, a New York Times critic pick that has been called a devastating commentary on American society's approach to mental health by the LA Times, Remarkably moving by The Washington Post, and beautiful, evocative, and ultimately heartbreaking by The Atlantic. Featuring narration by actress Lori Singer, and cinematography called a triumph of visual narrative by American cinematographer. Winner of numerous film festivals around the world, including the special jury prize at Hot Docs. Come see God Knows Where I Am in a special IDA screening on October 5th at the Landmark Theater in Los Angeles at 7.30 p.m. Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the Deputy Editor and Chief Critic, joined as always by our editor-at-large, Ann Thompson. And, And we've got all kinds of stuff to talk about this week, movies that have opened and how they're doing, movies that are about to open and how they're doing, movies that haven't opened yet but are definitely part of the awards conversation. So let's get into it. First of all, last week we talked a little bit about Mother and tried to dance around some of the spoilers, if you can call them spoilers, trying to take stabs at what that movie really means. I've seen the movie twice now, and I'm I having so much fun talking about it with people and loving the conversation about how much it divides people. Unfortunately, not a whole lot of the country has seen it at all. The movie kind of tanked. It was number three at the box office. I can't assume it's not going to continue to do well. So I guess the, the starting point for talking about Mother Now is, what went wrong with the release of this movie?
1: All right. Well, we have several things. Um, If we look at um, Darren Aronofsky's movie itself, which, by the way, I saw at... Toronto and enjoyed thoroughly. I just loved the way he was—he was just throwing all caution to the winds and just, you know, assaulting the audience with inexplicable, surreal. I mean, what's the thing at the bottom of the toilet? What's the stuff that Jennifer Lawrence is drinking? Why is he called him? Why is she called mother? You know, what the hell goes on in the Hieronymus Bosch? You know, ending. So I got a big kick out of it. Also, he's a very authoritative visual filmmaker and he's fun to, you know, really fun to watch. And these are good actors. So for me, it was a satisfying experience, but the audience was left out. And so the question is Does Aronofsky, who has been trying like crazy to explain himself and tell everybody about the allegories and tell everybody what it really means and what he really thought he was doing, a little too little too late? Because what he really should have done is brought them into the movie in the first place. Figured out a way. It is interesting. They could operate on both
0: levels at once. I mean, I I did a press conference with him. I've seen him intro the movie. And I've read all these different kinds of interviews. and, And there are so many different ways in which you could present this movie to people. But the way in which the trailer was set up. Made it seem like it was a very different kind of movie in the sense. So they misrepresented it in order to open it. Well, they they did a Trojan horse kind of a thing where they made it seem like it was this very specifically like a Rosemary's Baby home invasion thriller, essentially. And that's it's not just that that's not what the movie is. It's that as you said, it's assaultive. It makes you uncomfortable. It goes in 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 all these kind of loopy directions, and I almost feel like if they had embraced the crazy with this movie and turned that into a selling point somehow, there would have been a totally different... They kind of did. I mean, that was the
1: message that I was getting. But there's another message. Here, which is that these filmmakers who think that they know how to market movies, like he persuaded the studio not to preview the movie. Maybe that was a mistake in this particular case. Well, I,
0: I think I, the at, for a thirty be million dollar
1: movie, I want to defend the filmmaker's it. right to make a crazy movie. I really do. I, I think that's but, a,
0: the the big takeaway They they did it, and that now, unfortunately, it seems like the narrative is that. That was a mistake to let him do it in the first place, that studios can't make movies like this and and make them successful. But But,
1: increase it. No, I don't agree. I mean, honestly, let's go back another step. Suppose there had been a different administration in charge at Paramount. What's really weird about Paramount right now, what I find very strange, is that when I I remember going to see CinemaCon, the preview. Previews of all the movies they had coming up. And I remember thinking, God, this is a really cool, very unusual, very un-Hollywood studio-like slate of movies. And they don't really look particularly commercial. <laughs> and I was right. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Suburbicon didn't do well at all at, at these festivals, even though they wanted to, to get some support for it. Downsizing got a very mixed sort of Half up, half down, kind of you know, it's brilliant, but kind of reaction. And then you have you have Mother, which if, if I swear to God, if a studio had given Darren a couple of marching orders, just bring the audience in a little bit, just give them a sense of what the rules are. He could have had his cake and eaten it too.
0: Well, I don't know though. I mean, to me, it's like it's it's not about the movie that Aronofsky ultimately made. It's more about how this movie was presented to different kinds of crowds. Like to but me, putting
1: him in charge of that marketing, putting him, right. giving well, him I some mean, he to all, say, it, may it, have been a
0: mistake. He may not have made the movie without that kind of control. It just makes me wonder if, you know, we are in a different landscape than we were just a couple of years ago, and there are so many different kinds of entities out there supporting filmmakers. It just makes me wonder, would this movie have been a better home at, say, an Amazon or A24 or... One of those people who seems like they're just doing better these days than big studios. Because it could have been made. Somebody like that could have made this movie. I mean, $30 million is, is a lot for some of they these They have
1: a but... really good de- marketing department at Paramount, actually. I mean, Megan Colligan and the people that are there are very smart. They know how to do this. And it's just that it was a $30 million art movie that's hard to get past
0: even with Jennifer Lawrence which is a big And they big went artist. wide with it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Jennifer Lawrence was obviously their ace in the hole but it didn't make any difference. And and in this case and and they had they they went totally wide with it. They opened it up earlier right after the festival uh, hoping to capitalize on the week, summer end of summer box office. They knew that they had a <laughs> A dog <laughs> commercially they well, did
0: i think my take on what our box office reporter tom bergerman was saying was uh, on one on the on the other hand trying to do something else with this movie rather than opening it wide may have been an even bigger miscalculation like if you had done a platform release that is just a couple of cities at a time and keep expanding it well the word of mouth was was so low it got a cinema score of f and people were you know so divided on the movie then you'd have to continue to deal with that while trying to expand it or scale back, and the studios aren't built to adapt.
1: Well, that Paramount way. is. Paramount knows how to do that. But but I would but say to you that like the this. way the way to do it, if you if you were going to do that, would be to do it at the very end of the year. This is a, an old an old scam. It may be, in fact, what they're already doing with downsizing, which may be why that's all the way at the end of the of the year, right around holiday time. But but the idea would be. You you open it limited, you you give it a little build, you it would have played better in art house audiences in cities. It would have played it would have built word of mouth. It would have built a profile that was more relevant to what it really was. And then you could then you could play for the Oscars and do whatever you were gonna do with it. But this is a, a, a feathered fish
0: anyway. Well, the other thing is it's it's not, not an Oscar movie. Yeah, it's either. not black swan. You don't have that higher no. component. No. I mean The funny thing is, talking about it as just a crazy, assaultive, WTF kind of a movie also misses the fact that it's incredibly well-directed. I mean, just in terms of the setups, the craftsmanship, this is a movie you can keep coming back to, not only because you want to kind of unravel or unwrap the plot and try to understand what the different puzzles are, but because it just, the second time around, I was just looking at how amazing it is that this is a film that's all constructed around point of view, that it's you know her close up in sixty six 66 minutes in the movie and everything she sees is the entire narrative of the movie and looking at it from that perspective just draws you more into just how much he directed this movie and it's not yes but, it's but not you just still need a
1: story that people but can I relate to And characters that, these I, archetypes I, are not I, enough I to hang the audience onto
0: but I think if you really understand what the movie's about and I feel like I do that it's they aren't archetypes because they're 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 they are. Of certain, Even if
1: you have an allegorical no, because allegory for the movie, I don't these think are that, still no, archetypes.
0: No, because allegory does not negate the possibility for characters to embody certain kinds of emotional experiences. They, they are two characters who are meant to represent very specific things. I think biblical characters, and they are emotionally... They're basically clarifying the emotions of that story in a way we've never seen before, which is people playing these characters... But not in some kind of cheesy Bible adaptation, this is not noah it 's sort of like a correction to what Aronofsky was interested in exploring that Noah was too doing in, in too uh, superficial and on the nose kind of a way you know this is the Aronofsky that we want to see and I, I think, am you know.
1: agreeing with that I do want to, I, I do want to encourage filmmakers to to break the rules, be audacious go with what they know how to do, but you cannot end up humming the sets when you leave a movie like this. You have to have some relationship to these characters, and Javier Bardem and Jennifer Lawrence, as good as they are, as mightily as they try, Ed Harris, Michelle, Pfeiffer, there isn't enough for the audience to hang on to.
0: Well, when I talk, so I've talked to people at at different ages, different kinds of sensibilities about this movie, I hear different responses from everyone, but so
1: what, what are, I,
0: their, what are well, their complaints? Well, I'll tell you what, I, what, I, what unites the reactions I've been hearing from people is nobody has the same reaction to the movie 30 seconds after they see it that they do an hour later, a day later, a week later. And that is what I think is so terrific about what the movie is pulling off. I mean, the, I, I return to different kinds of movies over the course of the year as we get closer and closer to the end. We start to make our lists and all this kind of stuff. It would I'm, be on
1: your top ten. It's
0: it's definitely got got a strong place on it right now. Even though I think there are things that, like we've said, are ridiculous and and blunt, but it it keeps us talking. And I I'm excited about movies that feel like they're different. I agree with that it, too. You know, I do.
1: But I'm sorry that he didn't figure out a way to make it, uh, you know, work as well. well like, you know, he he, there was a way that. to do that, and I, I don't didn't... think that he took it.
0: Do we think that this is a director jail kind of a movie, though?
1: because no, he's fine. He's still one of the great directors, and he's still going to get more more. I mean, here's the question really that you're asking and and he may you may be right. Darren Aronofsky may have to go to Netflix in order to make the movies that he really wants to make because they're willing to break the rules in a way that yeah. the studios are not, which brings up the next uh, subject at hand, which is 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 the Angelina Jolie movie. Uh, first They Killed My Father, which just opened on Netflix, and it's the Cambodian Oscar entry, and it breaks all the rules, point of view from the child, you know, $24 million, totally Cambodian language. I mean, you could list, go, go down the list of all the things the studios would never do, and this movie ticks them all. And she did a great job.
0: Well, it's actually, it's notable that First They Killed My Father is – is made by Cambodians, not only because she has citizenship, but just the crew and, and the... Rithi
1: Pan, the, the producer, yeah.
0: helped with it. And, and and it, I think, feels that way. You can like the movie or think that it's fine. I mean, I haven't talked to a lot of people who just, like, outright hated it. It's not, it's, some people like it and some people are sort of nonplussed about it, but it's totally competent in terms of what it's trying to pull apart. I think it's more than know?
1: competent. And I, I actually get annoyed because I think there's a... Uh, a kind of a meme that is just assuming that this actress of privilege um you know is getting a pass in some well, that's way inevitable. that they uh, uh, yeah but it, but it but it she's made a lot of movies now she has know, a body of her, work as a her filmmaker fifth movie,
0: there's no question you know? about that and
1: she's gotten a, you know she knows how to do it she understands the mechanics of it and this is beyond that this is this has she makes very specific aesthetic choices without bringing in the sort of Compromises that a movie like Unbroken demanded at the budget level that it was at and as a studio release that was intended to be commercial and by the way was commercial. It did well at the box office. This one doesn't have to play with those rules and I think it's so moving and so tender and 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 unusual in the way, again, immersing you in the point of view. Well, of it's definitely her best,
0: her best piece of filmmaking because of the way that it uses that point of view. I mean, it's interesting actually in a weird kind of way to compare it with Mother because they're both about this ongoing reaction shot. It's the
1: same strategy.
0: Yeah, but this one is obviously, uh, it's not assaultive. It's more about sort of representing a very specific emotional experience based on the, the narrow understanding of what's going on from this young uh, girl. Exactly.
1: And as so. she gets older and as she becomes more uh, inured, she starts to look at more things and sees more horrors around her and becomes a soldier. It's a very interesting transition. Anyway, it's so, on Netflix. It is going to be Netflix's first, we suggest. Uh, it is their first foreign language Oscar submission.
0: And, and has a strong chance of getting nominated, you'd say, at this I think point. so. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So that'll be an interesting one to follow, especially with Angelina Jolie being in the Oscars in completely different angle than people would have expected her to be a couple years ago. But, I mean, uh, some people
1: are saying she has a chance at getting nominated for Best Director. And I have a funny feeling that this will, for whatever reason, be, be sequestered in the, in the foreign language category and that that's where, where it will stay because it it's, it just, it's just so competitive. But then uh, Russia just today just uh, announced that they're going to put um, Andres Zvyagintsev's Loveless, which we saw at Cannes, which I admired tremendously, and I thought it would be too critical. Of the Russian government to ever be submitted by them. But he went know. through
0: this before with his last film, Leviathan, which was nominated. So. It
1: was, and so I, I'm so and so. Sony Pictures Classics has this one, and I'm delighted that uh, that they actually got the uh, the entry. And they also have Fantastic Woman, which you and I both admire. That's such a much. good movie.
0: I mean, that, I'm I really hope that they figure out a way to crack what I know is a I recognize as a very competitive Best Actress race with the, the trans star of this movie she's so good
1: i was very moved by her and i have to say uh, that the movie wasn't what i was expecting and and she gives this very uh naturalistic performance and very moving and she's not she's not a a showy actress so it's a, it's a very subtle and and but she lovely, is the
0: movie the reactive end. performance she carries okay. I mean, the, it's a
1: point of view yeah the whole and and i was told.
0: thinking about how you know maya taylor you know people admired what she did in tangerine but this is in many ways a much more fully rounded, i agree with
1: that cinematic yes.
0: character so in yes. terms of other international news uh, on the oscar foreign language uh, front there have been some other submissions the French language submission, BPM, or 120 beats per minute. Which I, do, I finally caught up with,
1: and, and that was a can, and I, I, I figured it would be the entry because it was the sort of obvious, um, strongest uh, candidate. Uh, I, th- I think it could do well. It could do very well. That's it's a good very movie.
0: Moving. Very yeah. well-rounded story of the ACT UP movement in, in France. and You know, it's not... It's not a big narrative movie. It's more about the textures of, of the different lives that these people led and the the kind of protests. But there's and, real
1: loss involved and yeah. real and and you you track several of the characters through, through their illness. Some of them are are positive um, and and they they HIV positive, and you have to see what happens to them. Yeah, it's just a know? very
0: well acted and directed kind of a thing. It's not, but it, but it's interesting because I remember when that movie was going to Cannes, and I was just. I was trying to get a sense of the competition. I was like, "That's the one. That's going to win the Palme d'Or." And then when I saw it, I was like, "Actually, even if Pedro Almodovar was the president of jury, flips for this movie." It's it's a harder one to find complete consensus on because it's not. It's a it's a very long movie and not a lot of like I said, not a lot of big plot stuff. Happens.
1: It's a lot of pol- political process too. Something that the French love, yes, you know. True. So it, it and it's shot in that sort of inimit. It's a very French. Every day, here is you know real people yelling and screaming and in, in a very naturalistic way. Yeah. that's a specific, and it's funny specific style that may not go over completely with with the entire uh, uh, foreign film, you know, foreign branch.
0: So the one that I'm really curious to see how it plays is the, this big Ophir winner that Sony Pictures Classics has picked up, Foxtrot. Which uh, I saw at Telluride. Right? I think you saw in Toronto.
1: I did. Right? It was. I saw it in a big public screening, and it, it was gorgeous. That of all the movies, uh, really, I mean, I, a fantastic woman is a beautifully made movie. Um, Sebastian Lelo is a, is a very. Is that how you say his name? He's a Lelo. very good director. Yeah, very But talented. but yeah. uh, this one this one is one of those movies that you you look at it and you go whoa you are totally surprised at every
0: turn well, yeah it's,
1: and there's different sections of it told yeah. from different it's so of unexpected
0: view. i mean it pulls it's, the
1: rug out from under you it's a movie you shouldn't read vision. much about it has vision well it was
0: fun to write about because it's one of those things even more so than mother where it's like you want to be able to give people a sense of what this movie is without telling them where it goes so what i can i felt i feel like what you can say safely is this there's, it's a film directed by Samuel Maoz. It's his sophomore feature. His first was called Lebanon, which was set entirely within a tank. This one uh, is also about the Israeli military, but it's more of a satire. Uh, the opening act well, is about a guy. Some, you
1: don't realize that right away.
0: Well, I, mean, I well I think you do in this genuine that. I think emotion. I
1: mean, you can you can say what the beginning of yeah. The movie I was going to say the opening
0: act is about a guy finding out that his son was killed in action. And Israeli it's the filter. actor
1: who's in Norman. I mean, he's right. a huge Israeli film star.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. A very talented guy, Lior Ashkenazi, and um, and the way the movie starts, it's sort of like the camera sits on his face for minutes on end, and it really draws you into his performance. And you might think that, oh God, this is just going to be a really dreary story of the morning process. And it is a dark story, but it is not just that. It keeps developing. It's it's in terms of its setting, in terms of the story it tells, and the different characters in ways that are like funny and poetic and I just I was so happy to see that at Right because I almost didn't go it was showing kind of late in the festival uh, in that weekend and I couldn't I couldn't really get a sense for what what this movie was because in part I think the early uh, take from it out of Venice was was very subdued because people were trying not to spoil it and I just kind of went and it just kept surprising me and I, I walked out of it being like this was my Movie of the festival, so but I he's keep also visually to
1: sophisticated yeah. too. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's that. there's some great, you know, vistas and extraordinary. Well, the uh, foxtrot
0: dance of, of the title is like a oh, major it's wonderful. Scene. Well, yeah, yeah, no,
1: there's a so, so the, the difference. He, he he definitely we won't say more. Definitely a strong strong contender uh, from Israel um, in the race, and then the other one is in the fade, which is the German entry, I just which saw that was too. Jan, yeah. Diane Kruger. And I love this movie. Fatih Akin is a fascinating uh, character. From you know, he's a filmmaker from Germany and w- f- with a Turkish background. He who drinks him out. Really uh, has has been hurt, helped and hurt by his prolific output, yeah. um, and he's gone up and down. And and uh, and this one is definitely uh, an up for for him.
0: Well, it's it, so so. The movie—it's
1: it's about terrorism. Yeah, in Yeah, it's very
0: easy to explain to people. It's, it's compared about to the a, stuff right. we've been talking about. It's like a woman who's very straightforward and,
1: story, actually. Yeah. But it's but we're immersed in this case in her point of view—the woman who's grieving for having lost her family and and what she does about it and how she handles it. And, yeah, and it's, it's, it's all Diane
0: Kruger. I mean, it's it's uh, interesting.
1: Sequence too.
0: There are things about that movie that I kind of felt like. It, maybe could have been a little bit more uh, exciting or something. There was something about the way that the third act of the movie. The courtroom
1: sequence puts puts a sort of dent in it uh, in a way, but you need to have that because – because you can, it's, I was I was actually sort of fascinated about how I mean what they do is they put they put the terrorists on on trial and and it doesn't go the way you might expect and it's also a weirdly different uh, system than our American system you know you kind of go oh they do it differently than we do it.
0: The interesting thing about the courtroom is that it's the courtroom stuff sets up stuff that happens later so even though you're absorbing mundane details there is. I don't want to say payoff, but it it plants some seeds that come into the into play in a different kind of way later. But really, this this movie, I think, to me, is about Diane Kruger, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts about this because I feel like this comes back to that best actress question. Can somebody like her in a German language movie that's you know being talked about mostly as a sort of foreign language contender permeate the Oscars from a performance standpoint? Because people do like Diane Kruger, and she really carries everything that works about this movie.
1: In an ordinary year, you would see Daniela Vega and Diane Kruger getting into you know, the ideally. top five. And this is a situation where the list of um, now let's see what's going to happen. For example, Victoria and Abdul is about to open. If it doesn't do well, if it falls off, if it gets bad reviews, if 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 you know the drum is rolling on, on Judy Dench who. Is a, is a sort of you know Oscar regular who, who has been nominated many times and, and she gives a great performance in this movie, but we have to see how that plays out. Then you have the, you know, how is the film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool from Sony Pictures Classics with Annette Bening, get an opportunity, she's playing Gloria Graham an opportunity to get nominated after she got uh, snubbed last year. Um, Sometimes it's more about that than it's about the movie itself. You know, that can carry its own, uh, momentum as a narrative uh, for an actress, and 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 there's a list. You know, we haven't even seen Meryl Streep yet in in the post.
0: Well, you can um, assume she's a front runner, right? Or uh, <laughs> Kate
1: Winslet in Wonder Wheel, which is sort of the mystery movie that nobody has seen or yet. The
0: New York Film Festival in two weeks. We've been
1: talking about it. Who's been invited to a screening? Yeah, I haven't. We'll
0: see it eventually. I'm sure she's she's got something to offer. It's just a question of is the movie on the same wavelength, and will that matter and all that yeah. kind of stuff. all the usual so. questions.
1: And then and then you have um, somebody like, uh, who am I leaving out? There's a list a mile long. It's of, true, uh, it just keeps getting Emma longer Emma Stone, <laughs> All right, so Battle of the Sex, this is opening this weekend. And uh, Emma Stone is terrific as uh, Billie Jean King. And, you know, we have to see again, is this a commercial movie? Does it do well? Does she get, you know, a boost because the movie is is playing well with audiences the movie or is it just is like, a commercial movie and she won uh, last year and yeah. it isn't in the cards? I for think her. it's
0: that because it's just it's not I mean, the commercial movie is an interesting kind of code word. It's a crowd pleaser that's not
1: it's very good.
0: It's okay. I thought
1: they did it really well. I think I, I think the degree of difficulty on this movie was extremely high and they delivered A really well-made movie that's going to play with audiences. That's what they're. It it
0: starts out really well. I found what's, what's notable about this movie is that it's so clearly informed by people's awareness of that match. You know, the titular battle of the sexes. And once it gets there, it's just kind of like, yep, there we go. That was the match. I mean, there's just sort well, of something shrug-like about I guess about maybe
1: it. I feel more strongly about it because I lived through it uh, and I remember it. And well, I that's think why it's a commercial movie, a, right? There is such an like that. incredible hero. You know,
0: right. she really How many more people delivered. feel that way who who you know remember the match who. You know, feel like Billie Jean. So team. maybe it plays
1: older. Yeah. I don't know. It could be. I,
0: it could be. And that could help with Emma Stone, maybe on some level. I agree. She's very. good. She's the best thing about the movie.
1: But there's also the movie. whole hidden. It's very poignant because she's hiding her identity as a lesbian. She has a lover that she has to keep in in the shadows because it would ruin her career. She has a husband, and and he's trying to help her out. It's very interesting how that played out.
0: Well, it's notably. Going up against another real life story this week, which is stronger from David Gordon Green, which was also at TIFF and uh, has Jake Gyllenhaal playing this guy who lost his legs in the Boston Marathon bombing. It is so far different, so much better than that Peter Berg movie about the Boston Marathon bombing from last year. It's no question. It's just, you know it, what I liked about night this, and
1: day. I mean,
0: I have to tell you, it's it's also a very traditional kind of crowd pleaser. But what I liked about it is that. Like, the Boston Marathon bombing happens in the first 10 minutes of this thing, and it's sort of, I don't want to say beside the point, but it's really a specific personal story about the ramifications of this for this guy's personal life, how his marriage almost fell apart, and all that kind of stuff, and it it doesn't hold anything back. It doesn't turn him into some sort of Jesus-like hero, you know, and and, and Hall is very convincing, I thought, in that I think
1: this is a case where David Gordon Green brings a certain finesse um, to this story that could have been so predictable and so um, manipulative. And he's not that kind of filmmaker. And he gives... There's a moment where uh, Jeff Baumer, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, is uh, just at the depths of, of, of neediness and vulnerability and despair. He's lost his legs, And everybody's expecting him to be this hero and he's in pain and he's falling down and he's, you know, having difficulty just getting around and he needs this woman to help him. And she there's this incredible moment where she comes through for him and leans into him in this very tender uh, intimate way that just broke my heart, and it's filmmaking. It's filmmaking that, and great acting on the part of him and Tatiana Maslany, who is fantastic in this, um, that makes it work.
0: Yeah, I mean, David Green's an interesting guy because he, he started out right out of the gate with the, with this kind of Malachian, sort of poetic storytelling with George Washington, and then he had this tangent into studio comedies which comes and goes, and the, you know he's still working on TV with shows like Vice Principals, But this, I think, is probably... His best, the best sort of illustration of, of what he's gleaned as a filmmaker over the years because it's just a very confident piece of filmmaking.
1: But he started with darker uh, dramas yeah, with yeah, George yeah. Washington, and the, there's a movie he made called Snow Angels, which is one of the best movies I think it's Snow Angels that ever made.
0: It was the last, uh, well, the last he, emotional film he made. It's
1: really extraordinary. Emotional. It died a dismal death. It was with Sam Rockwell, and he gave an amazing performance in that movie, and Gordon Green, David Gordon Green, went on to do comedies after that. Oh, you know, yeah. like,
0: I mean, I don't know if was that was total... that He had
1: another road that would lead him into commercial filmmaking, and well, he took I, it.
0: I think what happened there, also you have to remember that that was a Warner Independent release, and that was right around the time that Warner Independent fell apart, like a lot of... Yeah, this. but
1: Snow Angels would never have done any business. Yeah, for I any mean, it, it should have been film. like an IFC film, film was, or
0: something. I totally agree yeah. with you. It was a small Nobody movie.
1: was going to make that into a commercial movie, but it was well... Uh, I I still remember that movie. How often does that happen?
0: It's a good movie. Um, So next week, you're coming to town. We're going to go see movies at the New York Film Festival. Which and then really we have
1: uh, opening night, Richard Linklater's uh, Last Flag Flying, which uh, we are excited to be able to write about eventually, yep. um, and with Brian Cranston and Steve Carell and um, Lawrence Fishburne. Really good.
0: And then all kinds of stuff that we've already talked about, getting a second wave of attention from, you know, Wonderstra Wonderstruck to Mudbound and all that kind of stuff. So we may have to revisit things we've already talked about, but hopefully... NYFF gives us uh, a new angle to do so. So until then, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you next week.
1: Me too, Eric.